Welcome to Imposters Anonymous. For those of you who used to be somewhat regular listeners of the show, welcome back. Season 2 is officially underway, and though the fundamentals will remain the same, there will be some noteworthy changes. Of course, to any first-time listeners, as always, I highly recommend you take a moment to jump back to the intro of the project. It should be listed as a trailer for the show at the bottom of the list of episodes in your podcast player. It's only about seven minutes long and provides some pretty important context about the nature of this show, its aims, and how it differs from most. So again, I advise you starting there so that the premise of this project isn't totally lost on you. To my returning listeners, thanks for sticking around through the past couple of months, which have been pretty hot and cold from a content perspective. In short, a lot has changed since I decided to give this project a go. There have been plenty of ups and downs personally, and for the most part I think this show has reflected that, which honestly has probably been for the best. Much has been learned and many of my perspectives have evolved. The same can probably be said about each of my guests and hopefully you all as well. Which brings me to what will be different this time around. If there's anything to be gleaned from this project, it's that as individuals, our identities and perspectives are in a constant state of fluctuation and irreducible nuance. We're never quite the person we were a moment ago. Everything we experience changes us. Each conversation I have on this show is just a snapshot, a irrepeatable moment in time, a brief glimpse of what individuals can bring to the table. At the end of each episode, I could probably roll back the tape, start from scratch, and have a new conversation of a completely different nature, tone, and theme. So I think that about sums up where the project is heading. I guess I'll resist my inclination towards overexposition and wrap things up here, but one final update. I will begin trying to incorporate the audience's questions into episodes, both for recordings with recurring guests as well as solo Ask Me Anything episodes, so if there's anything you'd like to hear discussed or you'd like me to speak to specifically, please do give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter and send your questions. The audience isn't huge here, so there's a good chance your questions or topics will be featured. If you have anything at all, don't hesitate. I'd love to hear from you, and on that note, Thanks for giving this a shot, and I hope you enjoy the episode. You don't know how lucky you are being a monkey. The past is just a story we tell ourselves. control. All right. Welcome to Imposters Anonymous. Thank you, Brandon. It's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm excited. So how, how are you feeling today? Hmm. I feel like I have just been on a roller coaster of emotions today. Oh, yeah. But I'm very grateful that I think I'm able to like return to center a little bit more quickly. So I would say I I'm just thankful to be here with y'all and to be able to, I don't know, it's kind of a gray day outside and mm. kind of just, I think on gray days, people shine more, if mm. that makes any sense. Yeah. And so I think I've been, I don't know, able to like lean into people. So I feel like I'm feeling, I know good is not a feeling, but I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. How about, how about for you today? Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair question. I, I feel like today has has been a day of of relative stability. Mm-hmm. I think I've I've fallen back into a sense of routine, which which is something that's always been comforting to me. Okay. Uh, and, and the 
I guess last weekend and in the the days leading up to it have in a similar way been been a little bit up and down to say the least. Sure. And I was uh, away from home, uh, spending some time at my mom's house. And uh, yeah, I think getting back home, I got back home yesterday, but this morning mm-hmm. just kind of waking up at my usual time, doing my usual things, uh, falling back into that routine a little bit has been, has been stabilizing for sure. So yeah. I think I'm someone who's always thrived off of that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So I think all things considered, I'm, I'm feeling pretty, pretty decent, but okay. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I, I really am. And I think as you kind of noted, I guess, right before we, we started recording, I, I've always had very pleasant and, and interesting and, and kind of unique conversations, uh, with you, even, I guess, especially the first time <laughs> that we met, so um, true. <laughs> which, which was, you know, uh, one of those unexpected unexpected connections that that obviously has agreed has, uh, yeah has led to something quite interesting so again i'm very grateful for you for making time for this and Aww. and i'm happy to be here so well, thanks thanks for the <laughs> invite i actually have a question for you yeah yeah lead us off okay so you mentioned like the idea of routine being very comfortable for you mm. and i had a friend recently send me a video about this guy who traveled i think you know somewhere maybe like seattle or something all the way down to like antarctica One of those stories. Mm. And in this video that he made saying why he did it, he was kind of like the enemy is routine. Mm. And my friend, like that really like resonated with her. But for me, I was like, ooh, I actually think that routines can be very like ritualistic and very empowering and positive. Mm. So I'm kind of, I think you kind of answered, but any kind of take or thoughts there? Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought it up because uh, a a friend of mine, I guess a friend now, originally was just a, a somewhat random connection on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna, who I guess, I don't, maybe episode late, maybe mid, late to, yeah. <laughs> late to mid-teens. I forget exactly which number it is, but it's an episode called Time of is of the Essence. Okay. And uh, she kind of took a similar perspective, which mm-hmm. I, it didn't totally change my tune on it, but it, it did... <laughs> It did give me a new sense of, I guess, how routine can be, at least for some, mm-hmm. something that's limiting or something that mm. prevents a certain creativity or, or a certain uh, almost, I feel like certain people maybe thrive off of feeling as though they are the author of their own mm. uh, situation or the yeah. outcomes in it or being able to people don't like the idea of maybe being controlled or getting so locked into a way of being that you are, you ignore what is actually going on in your life or you're not able to have a certain dynamism in your life. And she's an incredibly creative person who mm. has, has some very abstract and interesting ideas about life, which I, I thoroughly enjoy and were quite different, but it was interesting to hear someone similarly kind of say that routine was something the monotony uh, of of everyday life and in being stuck, uh, not so much stuck, but at least feeling that to some extent was something mm-hmm. that that was negative. And and I don't necessarily feel that way, okay. but I think maybe the the crux of that was that essentially, if if in your everyday life, you, I, I guess I already kind of said this, but you feel as though situations can become almost too comforting or mm. the the routine that you get into is something yeah. that that puts on a certain 
blinder to new opportunities. And I, I can see that for sure. And it's, for me, I, I don't necessarily, again, feel as though it's how it impacts my life, but that's, mm-hmm. of course, my own bias, right? I'm someone <laughs> sure. who, who has a pretty pretty solid routine and, and seems to thrive off of it. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about it or responded to it. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting how everyone has like a different take or perspective or feel. And I think for me, I was like, oh, like more power to him. I love that maybe for him, it was time to break out of routine. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, my big thing is I always want to be awake. If that makes any sense. I don't want to be mm. sleeping or like sleepwalking. I just yeah. think our time is our most precious commodity. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a limited quality or quantity of it and that I do want high quality from yeah. it. And so for me, I like the idea that if I do have routines, that they help me stay awake, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. And like, and it's kind of a cheesy thing to say, but like micro adventures, how you can have micro adventures during mm-hmm. the day or I don't know. So I drive with both. It just what makes sense or what is wise in the time. But I mm-hmm. think for me right now, um, I don't know about for others out there, but with COVID routines have actually been, I think pretty helpful, mm-hmm. but the idea that I can work into routine or make a routine to not have a routine, like that flexibility and wiggle room has been, has been helpful, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I I guess I just remembered something while you were speaking, because I want to give, give Anna her due, because I I know she will listen to this ultimately, Mm -hmm. uh, that the, the thing that actually stuck with me the most from her perspective was that she seems to live in this very intuitive way Mm -hmm. in which Every day she kind of starts it by checking in with herself on like an, an emotional, a uh, physical, mm. a spiritual level. Wow. And asking herself, what, what do I need in those regards today? So, so some days I, I might need to go for a walk first thing, or, or some days I, I might need mm. to stay in bed a bit longer, or, or some days um, I might need to just get up and get after it and be very productive. And that was something that definitely stuck with me because yeah. I, again, it, it is a little bit, it's kind of the antithesis of, of having a routine, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I think there's certainly something to be said about staying aware and, and staying mindful of, yeah. of the fluctuations in, in your own self and in what might need to change in your routine on Absolutely. a day-to-day basis to reflect how you are actually feeling. But again, I think at at the end of it, it's it's less stable. And, and I think some people need mm. stability because of their situations, what's going on around them. And so sure. I think someone who thrives off of some variance in, in day-to-day life, mm. someone who's who's highly creative and, and needs that that sense of, as I said, dynamism in their life versus someone that maybe has a lot going on around them, that yeah. they, in some ways they need to... Uh, try to focus on what they can control and, and, and establish some regularity. So I think in some ways it comes down to, and, and I don't mean to speak for you, so oh, no. <laughs> maybe I will, maybe I won't, yeah. but your overarching perspective sometimes on, on life and our nature as, as beings in a way. Mm. And again, not to project, but sometimes I feel like it, it is a reflection of that for me where I at times feel like our our base, uh, our base mode of being or our base desires, our, our base impulses, or even what you might call intuitions 
can be quite misleading. Mm. And I don't mean to be pessimistic when I say Mm -hmm. that, but I think sometimes some of the conventional advice around like doing what you feel and and trusting your gut. And I I understand that those things are valid, but at the same time, I, I've been very compelled by some of the research done by um, Danny Kahneman. I don't know if you're familiar with his Mm -hmm. work at all, but it, it, the, the crux of it is essentially that we are, we're very bad at making decisions yeah. on average and uh, we, we reliably can quite easily mislead ourselves mm. or build a story internally in regards to what we need to protect ourselves at that time yeah. uh, to justify certain actions. So sometimes it, mm. you almost, it's it, not to use a, a maybe charged word here, but you can kind of become a slave to mm-hmm. the internal fluctuation in our nature and yeah. our desires. If you're just always like, well, what do I, what do I want today? What do I, what do I need today? What if, if you're always yeah. uh, almost like hyper aware and in touch with yourself, it seems like it would be very hard to, mm-hmm. I hate to use the word like progress, but to, to progress in life or like to move toward anything in a steady way mm-hmm. uh, with, with those sort of, I guess, for lack of a better word, emotions guiding your life primarily. But mm-hmm. again, I don't know if I'm mostly just speaking for myself here. If you find that to be some of the reasoning for why routine mm-hmm. is something that's helpful for you. Yeah. No, I love all your thoughts. And also, Anna, I'm going to be stealing, maybe borrowing. <laughs> I love that. Like, I love that check-in during the day. I think, you know, we're so intersectional and like there's so many different pieces to people. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, being someone who identifies as a woman, I don't often ask myself like what I need or what I want. I'm Mm -hmm. often thinking what do others need or want just in general. Um, Not that that's always, you know, for people who identify as women, but I've, I can just say that I often can be Mm -hmm. very other focused. That said, I've been thinking more about what you mentioned about maybe like our intuitions or gut feelings or in general, maybe not always being the gold standard that sometimes they're Mm -hmm. presented to be, especially when it comes to, I would say, um, I've been thinking about this. I listened to a podcast yesterday. I was on a bike ride Mm -hmm. and it was really great about the idea that sometimes we might have like original songs in our head, like these original intuitions, these original knowings, but sometimes they're placed into us by family, friends, society. Absolutely. And especially with with race, Mm -hmm. right? Like the fact that sometimes being someone who's white and like you have like a thought that might pop up in your head of like, or being a woman walking down the street and there's men mm-hmm. coming at you, right? Sure. Why do you feel unsafe? Mm. Do you have real reason to feel unsafe? And I know that's weird, but it's like, could your intuition be sexist or racist? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like larger overarching things than what you were saying. Sure, no, absolutely. But I've been trying to break that down a little bit um, since then of like, Ooh, what does this mean? And so Yes, I feel everything you're saying. I haven't landed anywhere, mm. but I think for me, what I want to do is just be curious. And what I'm trying to do <laughs> in the day since I listened to this podcast sure. is just ask myself is like, is this a remake of a song that someone told me mm. or is it like an original song? Right. Um, if that makes any sense. And I got that idea from um, Glennon Doyle, mm. <laughs> just for those out there. Um, and then just asking myself like, oh. Okay, like kind of listening to that and just asking myself, like, oh, well, why? Why would that be important? Mm-hmm. Why are you feeling that way? So, I'm not sure that totally ties in back to what you're saying, yeah. but as you were talking, that's what I was just, just nodding. Mm-hmm. So I haven't really landed anywhere yet. I think I'm like, 
maybe it's like a tangled ball of yarn for me. Yeah. It's like a new thought and I'm just like slowly, yeah, yeah, untwisting it. But lately I've really been thankful for routines. It's been a helpful thing for me, mm-hmm. but I don't think it will always stay that way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's quite, quite insightful and I mean, it's, it's a tough game to play. I, I must say this, this <laughs> idea of trying to decipher what is, what is original versus what is derivative, oh gosh, right? I right. mean, I, I've spent yeah. a lot of time on that as someone who's, who's done some creative work, right? I, you know, is, is everything ultimately derivative? Mm. Is anything uh, truly our own? I, I don't know. That's, mm. that, that's obviously purely subjective at the end of the day, but mm. from the moment we're born, obviously we are, we are influenced. Everything that we experience yeah. changes who we are. And, and of course there's, we have our genes, but those are given to us, right? Sure. By, by our parents. So it's, it's, it's kind of hard to know. And it's a topic that I, I've gotten into many times before on this mm. show, but maybe not from this particular angle is just this concept of, of self, mm. right? That is it, is that even something that we can or, or need to pin down mm. this idea that there's maybe a, a true self, and if you peel back the onion enough, there's like, there's me down in there. Mm. This is my essence. This is who I truly am. And there's all these things kind of swirling around and, and built around it that that might ultimately be influences or, or distractions, but that there's, there's a core to it yeah. that one might spend their whole lives trying to find or, or to search mm. for and to finally come in tune with. And then, right, that's you've done it yeah, <laughs> that's yeah you've somehow arrived or, that's, yeah. that's your life and and you you've, you've made it to the top of mount olympus and, and it, it, that's that's nirvana right i mean that's that's the oldest story in the book right and mm-hmm. i think we often live our lives in that mode assuming that there is something in there that that is fundamental to who we are that if we could just get in touch with that it would be that would be our compass that we could yeah. just say all right there's north Let's go. Mm. Uh, and I think we want that so badly for things to become clear yeah. and to be able to say, this is who I truly am. Um, and to be fair, I don't know if that's something that you you think exists or that resonates with you, but mm. I, I, I certainly don't have a, a firm stance on it. I just often wonder about the sort of role that that plays in everyone's life and if, and if it's even something worth pursuing. Mm. kind of that idea of like, can we know our, can we truly know thyself? Mm. I think I'm like a weird mix of this and maybe some of your other guests have maybe potentially been this way too. Um, but I think it can be a mix of both. Like I think two things can be true at the same time Sure. or that there is something I, I, I hope very unique, mm-hmm. you know, to each of us. Um, but I also think that it is a little bit of like, like you said, these layers, right. And those layers make us up. But I do wonder if sometimes like this idea in the West is that we do have to have like this individual streak so much that I'm, I'm kind of taking this to a far level, but I'm nothing without being an individual mm-hmm. um, that we maybe take that a little too far. Sure. Um, because I think it can be like you individually can be the interconnectedness, if that makes any sense. Mm. And so I think that's where I've kind of landed and that's what I really like. Um that ultimately in my mind, mm. 
everything is connected and we do have the choice of what we can do with that connectedness, whether it's the experiences we have, the people in our lives, the biology, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, the opportunities or the not opportunities. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm even catching myself being like, well, not everyone has the same opportunity. So you don't always have the same choice, but right. there's something in there. I, I can't quite place it, but um, I don't know. I think that connectedness and the layering is ultimately what is individualistic. Cause I don't think anyone has always those exact same layers, those exact same experiences, the exact same genetics in just the way that you do. Mm-hmm. And I think in some way that's like, what is the light in you, mm-hmm. you know, or the light in gotcha. you? I don't know. Yeah. You can decide to feed that or not feed that, right? Mm. I don't know if that makes any sense outside my head, Brandon. (laughs) No, I I think it certainly does. Uh, I mean, I think that's a a natural impulse to to put that asterisk at the the end of of anything that we say. (laughs) Question mark, maybe. Maybe. Maybe there's some logic there. Mm. But no, I I definitely follow. And and I guess what I can do here is is give you maybe an even more difficult question to answer Mm. on top of that, which is, do you... Do you feel like you have a compass in life? Do you feel like you have something uh, something almost reduced down that you, above all else, use as a guide in, in times mm-hmm. of in times of difficulty or or not? Just in in making decisions, do you do you feel like there's something that you turn to more than anything else? Hmm, that is such a good question. I will be thinking about this for days <laughs> after. So get ready for text messages. Right. Um, Interesting. So, oh, I wish like, because I want to know this about you. I want to know this about any of the listeners. I just want to like sit and listen more than answer. Um, So maybe I'll make a deal. I'll answer and then you can, (laughs) if you want to share. I think the first thing that comes to mind is that I've been thinking a lot about like belonging and that idea of connectiveness. And Mm -hmm. I think what I would love to use my time here doing is and I don't know how to do this and I'm probably going to say this wrong and I'm probably going to text me and be like, oh, I said it so wrong, edit it. But <laughs> sure. this idea that like, in my mind, everyone should already be at the table mm-hmm. and everyone has a spot at the table. And I just want to make sure that for those who either don't experience that or don't feel that, like I can work with my time, energy, whatever small intelligence or heart that I have, mm. just to make sure that everyone knows that they belong. Mm. Like you deserve to be seen and heard and loved. And um, I don't know how to do that, Mm -hmm. but that I think is kind of my guiding principle for me of how I want to live is that Mm. um, I think belonging is so important. And Mother Teresa often said, um, like, the poverty of the West is loneliness. Mm. And I think that's, I just don't, I don't want anyone to feel lonely because I think that's probably one of the worst feelings, if not the worst feeling in the world, to feel that disconnected. Mm. Because I think that's not only disconnected from yourself and from like the earth, um, and then from, sorry, not just from others and like the earth, but like even yourself. And Mm -hmm. I just, what does one do for that? Um, but in general, like something that I do go to when I'm having a rough time is like, as long as I am breathing, Mm -hmm. I have a choice. Mm -hmm. Those choices might be more limited sometimes, but I like that idea that, you know, hope can kind of spring internal in some ways. And the fact that I do have like some kind of agency and loci of control doesn't always work, <laughs> but sure. I do go to that of, I want to be careful with this, but potentially there could always be like a better, mm-hmm. I can do better. There can be better for me. And even though it hurts right now, maybe this hurt is like a birthing of something. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I go to. But like I said, 
pretty words sometimes. And when you're <laughs> feeling it, it doesn't always get you through it. But right. I'd, I'd love to hear from you if you want to share. You don't yeah. you don't have to. No, I, I certainly will. But I, I would like to actually push a little bit Ooh. on on something that you said, just because I'm curious. And um, I hope you take no offense by it. No, but let's, let's hear it. I've, as I've gotten to know you, you you're certainly one of the more Let's see, what word do I want to use? <laughs> I'm curious about this. <laughs> Considerate people oh, that, okay. that I've ever met. And, and it seems mm. you, by that fact, naturally you might uh, give too much of yourself at your own expense. <laughs> do you want to be my therapist? <laughs> and again, not, not to project, but yeah. it, it, it seems like that maybe comes through a little bit in your, in your original answer mm. because that that mostly related to others. And of course, everything that we do mm. affects other people, right? That's that's the essence of our lives. But I, I'm curious how that, that applies to you, uh, not necessarily in isolation, but if you're having to make decisions that, in which you are, are clearly the primary stakeholder. Um, I guess maybe this question is twofold. Do you do you find yourself tending to okay if I if I have a decision tree here and it's 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 I can help someone else or I can help myself or I can I can allow myself to belong or I can help someone else do that is and then maybe that that question itself captures both things I wanted to ask so is that in, in those sorts of situations where where do you where do you go? Can I curse? Absolutely. <laughs> can, I, can I say, damn? <laughs> Ooh, gosh. I encourage it. Okay. Well, um, I was about to do it like a string of expletives, but I will. <laughs> I'll stop. I'll be a good girl. Um, yeah, I think I'm actually in a crux right now with that of mm -hmm. where if you're speaking of a decision tree, I, in the past, if you look at it, would always go with others. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I know we've spoken a little bit about our past, but I think sure. it's a habit that's been there since childhood and, um, you know, being with a mom that, you know, just needed a bit more care and attention and help. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm learning that I can have a new way of not only seeing the world, but like acting in the world. Mm. And so I would say in the past, it's definitely been for others and I am slowly, but surely even just learning to ask the question of like, well, Hey Morgan, what is it that you want? Mm-hmm. What is it that you need? Kind of like Anna, like just doing that check-in and right. then trying to decide from there. But I will say that's a lot easier said than done. And I do think talking about that identity piece, I think mm. a lot of my identity and how I've been seen in the world and maybe how I think I want to be seen in the world, mm. I'm doing air quotes here, yeah. <laughs> is very others focused. And I'm learning that it's not a bad thing to let that go. Mm -hmm. But I think that's very much so what I rooted myself in. And if I'm being ugly honest here is like, I'm, I am considered, I am the nice one. And I'm mm. like, I don't, you can, you don't have to be those things, mm -hmm. but I don't know what I, I don't know what I would anchor on to. Right. So I don't know, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I get that I'm putting you. I love it though. But yeah. Really under fire here with these impossible questions. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I think there's a certain, I guess I'm a fan of, of practical ethics. Yeah. Personally. And they're even at the base of all of it is this kind of age old argument, which is can we, is it ethical, is it right mm. to treat ourselves different than anyone else, essentially? Mm. And, and though, of course, it's, you, you would imagine it, it is natural to, that if it's like, okay, it's me or 
a random person? How do, how do I prioritize the needs or even yeah. life? I think maybe the easiest way to put that into terms is like, okay, you die right now or some random person in the world yeah. dies. How do you, how do you make that decision? And, and I think most people would, would just say, well, I mean, <laughs> I guess you just roll the dice and, and go with yourself. But is, is that, is there an actual ethical argument there? I, I don't mm. know. And it, it seems almost impossible to live our lives as though everyone's life is actually equal in mm. value to our own, even though I think that's what we aspire for. I, I think that's what I'd like to aspire towards yeah. is to, to live a life in which I feel like everyone's lives is, are equally valuable but when you put it under real pressure, it's like, well, shit, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really living that way. And I'm not, if I were given an opportunity to live that way, I probably wouldn't do it. And then that's, again, I can't speak for everyone, but even if you remove it from yourself just a little bit, it's like, okay, your, your friend or your family member or someone yeah. random. And so it clearly we, we place value on on people's lives and happiness and belonging as you've said based on how it affects us and uh our own emotional connections which is is natural and i wouldn't you know give anyone a hard time for feeling that way i think yeah. that's perfectly human but it it does it does beg a few interesting questions about how we can really live our lives in a in a strictly moral sense without having some sort of hierarchy of, of, of value in other people's lives. And I guess maybe that's a very circuitous way of, of getting to my answer, which is subject to this very same question mm -hmm. as I think about it now, which is, I think the thing I, I try to hang on to the most is because I, as you know, have some pretty, I hate to say controversial, but maybe just unpopular ideas about sure. free will and mm -hmm. uh, a few different things. But I generally try to focus on on mitigating suffering mm. as as a as a locus of uh, control, if you will, or maybe control is not the word, but that I, I don't know, and maybe it sounds a little bit pessimistic. Because on the flip side, you might say, is, is it, uh, would it be better to focus on enhancing joy or, or happiness mm. or contentment or, but I guess for me, from a practical perspective, I feel like suffering is something that we more directly can often address. Mm. And then we have reliable interventions on various fronts to to help people and to help ourselves yeah. suffer less in life. And I don't think we can guarantee any sort of ongoing state of happiness. I think that yeah. is one of our more difficult illusions in life is that something like that exists. Yeah. But I think on a day-to-day -day basis, if I can live my life and almost look at myself as I would anyone else and mm -hmm. try to from almost a third person perspective and say, what would, would make Brandon suffer less today hmm. or over the course of my life and, and using that as my guide more than anything else, given the lack of guarantees I feel like there are in life. But I, suffering is one 
for certain. And so I, I try, I at least of late have tried to live my life accepting the suffering that, that comes with it yeah. and trying to structure it in a way that builds some sort of, uh, not, not protection because that's not really how I feel about it, mm-hmm. but a, a structure around it, a, an acceptance of it and, and a perspective on it that in a way I, I know what is to come, not specifically, but in, in <laughs> sure. principle, yeah. suffering is, is what is coming Inevitable. and my yeah. ability to, to cope with that mm. or anyone's ability to cope with that. If I move outside of myself, you can't, you can't look at someone who's, who's starving to death in a third world country and really guarantee that you can sustainably give them food for their lifetimes per se. I mean, practically speaking, maybe you could, but uh, for the sake of the the hypothetical, yeah. you, you can't guarantee that they'll never go hungry. But there are people who live in third world countries with with next to nothing who are who are far more content with their lives than than you or I, right? And that's that's a little bit difficult to cope with sometimes, but it is all relative. And, and you see people who who have lost everything mm-hmm. in life and who are able to live in a way that most of us in, in the very developed and privileged world do not, regardless of what we do have. So of course we want to elevate what people have. We want to raise the floor. We want to give people resources. But at the end of the day, I feel like if there's anything I can focus on, it's more it's more internal and what you can give to people and their ability to a be resilient, but also to have a certain perspective on life that, that allows them to endure or or to have gratitude and find enjoyment in life, regardless of, of circumstance. Hmm. Can I ask you to make sure I understood? Sure. sure. Okay. I always enjoy our conversations. And this is one of the reasons (laughs) why. Um, So I want to make sure I understood that last part where you were saying like what you could maybe correct me if I'm wrong, like maybe give to people what you mm. want to focus on is more of that internal piece. Is that like more internal for just you? Or are you also saying like you want to be able to give either through conversations or maybe ideas of some sort, mm. like other people being able to like foster that internal, maybe like ability to focus on alleviating suffering, whatever that might be. Or mm. yeah. Did that question back to you make sense to make sure? Yeah, no, it it, it, okay. it does make sense. I, I think, want to make sure I was understanding because then I might want to lean in a little bit. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, I think. Um, yeah, I think it was a roundabout way of of getting to it, but ultimately, and again, this is this is just what I I lean on right now. Yeah. But given how my life has gone thus far, and what I feel like has allowed me to to be someone who who very much is is in love with my life mm. despite what I've experienced and been through not that that's any any depth that's unique but ha- has been largely the the resources that I've encountered the conversations I've had and and the perspective that I've I guess I can say been gifted in a, in a very non-religious sense because I just mm. can't take ownership of it, or at least that's not how I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, and if there's any way to allow others to 
have access to a similar sort of perspective mm-hmm. and, and maybe to put it in tangible terms so that I'm not losing everyone here. If, if there was even a way to make something like meditation apps okay. universally accessible and, and yeah. that's a little bit utopian because like obviously most people don't have access to you're painting an image the, you're helping us yeah the internet yeah. but if there was a way to or, or to give everyone a you know two sessions of of, of therapeutic psilocybin mm. use right yeah. it, it, maybe that hits home a little bit more yeah. so that if there was a way to give people access to that i personally feel like that would do more mm. for mitigating human suffering globally than than maybe any other intervention but maybe that's me being uh uh a little bit um myopic but Hmm. i don't think so i think there's a lot of in my opinion puzzle pieces at play um i think it could go hand in hand with also probably alleviating some of those things that are probably a little bit more in people's faces that make it hard to even get to that level Mm -hmm. right of being able to access and have um capacity to to even think about meditation and things, but I think it's, you know, just as valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes what I was kind of like, just making sure I was understanding is that sometimes I think maybe this is just me, Mm -hmm. but that we often say, well, people in developing worlds are, and not to go off on a unnecessary interclary chapter here, but um, sometimes I do wonder if we use like, oh, well, people in developing worlds are more happier than we are here, even though they have so much less. And I actually... I don't know if that's true. I think like many people have been gifted the ability to travel. And I think sometimes it's like something that like soothes us so we don't have to act. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, for whatever reason, and I need (laughs) to get better at this, but like I will always want to act on behalf of the other, even if it costs me and I want that. Um, So maybe this is just my own bias coming into play, but I I don't know. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to like understand that piece because I think sometimes we use that to almost medicate ourselves here. Sometimes... Have you ever read or watched The Hunger Games? Um, yeah, yeah I, I feel like I, I, I saw maybe one and a half of them. Yeah, that's, I, I that's get probably all you need. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like that concept of the capital, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Anyway, it, this is just a random little mm-hmm. tangent. But anyway, but no, I, I feel that. And I think that would be quite amazing, even for people in our own communities here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. To be able to access yeah, that. And I, I, I take your point for sure. And I think... To clarify at least one thing on that front, sure. I, I by no means would say that I think people on average are, are happier or are more content or are more satisfied uh, in, in developing worlds versus here. Yeah. Uh, I think that would, I would have no reason to say that. <laughs> I mean, it could be true. You, I guess you never know, but I, I largely meant to just suggest that even, even if it's three people, it, that, that there are people who in in by our western standards mm-hmm. have nothing mm-hmm. who seem to be living much more peaceful and, and yeah. enjoyable lives than we are or even to keep it in, in in our ball court if you will it there's a lot of interesting research that's been done about and granted it's all self-reported but people's kind of self-reported levels of happiness or satisfaction mm-hmm. in life as that relates to lottery winners, uh, as well mm. as people who have like, you know, tragic, debilitating accidents, they lose limbs, they you know, things that yeah. we can't even really imagine happening to us, that totally changes 
in theory, changes everything. But after about six months, the baselines generally don't move, which I find fascinating. Mm. And if you were a relatively content person before the accident, in time, that is generally what you will be again. Mm. And if you were a generally dissatisfied person before you win the lottery, it's not necessarily going to change that. And and I, I get that your point was a little bit adjacent to that, but yeah. but that generally speaking, uh, the the quality of one's in, internal state or the quality of one's mind or whatever is is going on 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 the most significant internal level level is is probably a better indicator of what mm. uh, of how that person's life will go in in ways that at least I think maybe matter the most. But yeah, that was mostly just to clarify where I was yeah. coming from on that. No, no, that's great. I I did pick that up. I think it was just one thing I it just stood out to me. I've been hearing that maybe a little bit more lately. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I never want that to lead us to inaction. So I think maybe that was mm-hmm. just like a little um, thing that maybe I carried in. But no, I think your point was very mm-hmm. well made with it. Thanks for letting me just, yeah, go off on that randomness. Yeah, no, so, absolutely. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And I think it's it's certainly helpful to to kind of go down all those those little pathways <laughs> sure. in conversation and, and make yeah. sure that anyone, anyone who's listening, gets at least a, a snippet of what we're really trying to communicate. Because mm. it can be quite hard when you, you think you're using oh one thing and that's yeah. it's not what's being heard. No, but, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I, I maybe want to stick on your point just a little bit longer, though, as far sure. as your inclination towards action. Okay. Is what do you feel as though that is primarily motivated by mm. within you? I've been thinking about this. <laughs> it's interesting. I feel like our conversations, I'm like, yes, Brandon, I was just <laughs> thinking about this. So I, I love how it kind of dovetails. I don't know. And I think it can change day to day. And I've noticed there's like a business Morgan mm-hmm. and there's like Morgan's life Morgan. <laughs> yeah. It's a party Morgan. <laughs> That's right. It's a mullet. It's a mullet going on yeah. over here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is it okay while I'm thinking to ask you to see if it kind of gets maybe more of my juices flowing so I can share a bit more? Cause I think I am again, like it's kind of like yarn of ball of yarn on table unraveling mm-hmm. for me a little <laughs> bit. So, but yeah, how about for you while I'm thinking? Um, well, I guess to be fair, are you wanting me to sort of reflect the question directly? Because mm. to some extent, the question I was trying to pinpoint more so your perspective, which I feel like there's a little bit of distance between ours. Mm. And, and so I, I can I can speak to, to many things, but are, are you asking what motivates my desire to act? Because I was kind of quoting you on that, but not that I don't have a, a desire to act in, in many regards. I see, I see. But I, I think I'm trying to maybe get at the, the daylight that's there potentially and okay. see what... And I, I maybe have a theory, but mm. uh, <laughs> I think I'll keep that to myself yeah. until you respond. Okay. But I think that was helpful. I think I can yeah. answer now then. Okay. Yeah. So in response, I'm with you. Um, okay. So I would say um, everyone has different experiences. And I know I haven't had all the ones out there, um, but I think I've definitely experienced unbelonging quite a bit. And I've mm-hmm. definitely experienced... Um, 
you know, being hungry and maybe being in a place where you don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very easy to potentially access empathy for that. And then right. also very quickly see self in others mm-hmm. and just never wanting anyone to go through that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that potentially for me, and then again, having the opportunity very thankfully to be able to travel like later in life and making that mm-hmm. a priority, kind of doing the mini retirement thing that Tim Ferriss yeah. like put out there. I didn't even know it had a term, but I would save up money and then mm-hmm. and travel um, and being a teacher in different places. Mm-hmm. I just saw different things. And I think that also opened up a little bit of an exposure to like, oh, realities are different and not mm-hmm. everyone has the same opportunities. And um, this hurt, I can access, even though I didn't experience that hurt, I kind of can pull from it of like what it might be like to be uncomfortable or like, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. So there's, there's that. So I think that's probably a big reason why I'm able mm-hmm. or wanting to, uh, not able, sorry. Um, wanting to act. I just don't want people, I don't want to feel that way. Mm -hmm. I don't want others to feel that way. Yeah. Like, what is that MLK quote? Like, none of us are free um, if one of us, Mm -hmm. yeah, is not. Or, yeah, so. There's a, um, what is it called? The ones who walk away from homeless? I don't don't know if you're familiar with the story. Mm -mm. But if you're not, you certainly should read it. It's a short story. And again, I'm not representing it well because I don't even remember who it's by, mm-hmm. but it's one of my favorites. And I read it in, in college and, and maybe my favorite course I've ever taken. Mm-hmm. And it recently got brought back up by by someone that I really respect. But it's it's a fascinating story that w- the point that you're making is, mm-hmm. is kind of at the crux of it, essentially mm-hmm. about this utopian society. Okay. That it, it spends much of it sort of building up and then the the ultimate cost is that there's just this one child mm. who lives uh, essentially in captivity and you know it's it's this suffering child in, in yeah. every way that you could imagine Yikes. and that is the cost of this entire essentially perfect society in every way wow um and it's this kind of wild hypothetical about how we ought to think about that and obviously it's the intent is to to map onto society and ultimately yeah. the ones who walk away from Omalasa are the ones who, you know, dissent from this this utopia hmm. because of this one child. Um again, hmm. I, I essentially just told you the whole story, but <laughs> but it's it's told much better than that by the author and but I think gets gets hmm. to the same essential point, which is uh even if we could imagine up some sort of ideal society, if there were still people that were left behind, is it is it worth the cost of of everyone else mm. living somewhat perfect lives? Yeah. Which, of course, I'm not expecting you to answer on the spot. But <laughs> well, now that you mentioned that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, well, I want to be very careful. I don't want to. I think in like hearing you speak, I was like, oh, I want to be very careful of not being like, well, obviously I have empathy because I've gone through all these things mm-hmm. and then therefore other people have it. I don't think that's true at all. I think we react in different ways. And I think for whatever reason, that was like a coping mechanism potentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so I just want to put that out there that mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think I have like any kind of cornerstone or whatever <laughs> on empathy. And I think yeah. that is freely given and can be, all of us have it. Right. And there's mm-hmm. probably ways where I'm even stifled with it a lot. So Right. Um, but that's an interesting, yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, what is the thought experiment where it's like, do you pull the lever and save oh, on the, the train, uh, the, the trolley car, the trolley car? Mm. Yeah. Or the poisoning of the water, right. Right. For the city or mm. yeah. 
It's interesting. Yeah, it gets I, you I thinking. I find these to be very fun thought experiments, but I know for some people, they're a little <laughs> bit more of it. Uh, but this, yeah. is, this is how I spend my time. Uh, <laughs> You're but, a world of fun. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talk to my wife. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think what you said is, is quite interesting, actually, because there's a fascinating degree of, of overlap with the, the last conversation I actually had mm-hmm. uh, on this show, which is, I guess I'll start by saying, I think I empathize a lot with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a big part of my perspective on, on life on whole is, and, and I guess I hate to always make everything about politics, but I do feel like it often does relate mm-hmm. in some way that often people's, at least maybe I'm speaking for myself here and in, in, in mm-hmm. my previous guest, but sometimes people's where they fall politically, um, air quotes again, mm-hmm. but even just how conservative versus progressive or liberal one is often relates to, of course, their own experience, but also, I guess, to what you're speaking to specifically and, and maybe where, where my political impulse comes from is how I grew up, right? Yeah. It's, it's what I experienced and, and the fact that I have a very direct and and easily accessible sense of empathy for people who feel or are very literally are left behind Mm. and for for people who very much do need all of these systems that we have in place to support those who have less um but at the same time there there's of course a balance to everything and and there is this this uh i guess logic to the other side which is to say that a how much should your personal experience mm. really affect what you think is best for society on whole mm. um which of course you can only limit so much we are, we are all <laughs> just products of of our environments and experience so so of course we're all going to care about certain things more based on our direct impact or direct influence um, in relation to them. And, and anyone who, I guess it, it could, I, I don't mean to paint broad strokes, but you could say it about almost anything. And all it takes is a friend or a family member who mm-hmm. falls into you know one group. And now it, it flips everything on its head or it, it brings this new layer of nuance to everything that I think politics often doesn't reflect Hmm. in an unfortunate way where it's like, okay, well, if, if your uncle is a cop and your, your best friend is in the military, but your son has autism. Yeah. (laughs) This is life. This is complicated, but often we get kind of reduced down and polarized by, by politics and where we have to fall and what we necessarily think from a policy perspective is what is potentially best for society on whole, even though we always have these, these different forces um, Mm. pulling on us. And, and I guess to bring it all full circle, the, the desire to act and to act swiftly, Mm. right. Is I guess fundamentally a progressive stance right mm-hmm. and then the the conservative impulse and even the mm-hmm. the lowercase 
see conservative impulse is is restraint and patience and uh, to stick with what we currently know and to take our time to solve problems because we don't want to, I guess, act too swiftly and, and end up making the problem worse just because we feel like we need to act now. And again, not to even really pass a judgment on either of those perspectives. I think it's just interesting how it tends to play out. And I, I find myself always somewhere in the middle on these things, right? I do have this desire to, to act and to mitigate suffering in the moment right now, because there are people mm. out there in this very moment who are suffering and that is hard to cope with. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, keeping in mind the, the future of, of our species and humanity and how many billions if not trillions more people who will exist and how we keep them in mind in the decisions that we make now and looking for sustainable generational change um, as opposed to maybe, and again, this is just a perspective. It's not even necessarily how I feel, but sometimes acting on our own emotions or our own guilt in the moment saying, mm -hmm. I, I feel bad about this person on the street. So I'm, I'm going to, do something that maybe isn't best for them in the long term, but it would make me feel a bit more comfortable with the situation right now. It's always so difficult for me, at least, to try to figure out where to fall on certain, on any decision in regards to wanting to help others who are in need and how to do that and, and by what channels to do that, that it, it will be genuinely sustainable. And again, I get that this is getting a little bit, oh, you're good. I'm, I'm, yeah. a, a little bit ambiguous, but, or even just broad, it's not like I'm fielding this at you and saying, <laughs> Morgan, what are the answers? How do we, <laughs> how do we solve this all? But I just thought it was an interesting level of overlap and, and all that to say, I definitely relate to where you're coming from. And, and it is one of my internal struggles I, I think about a lot is, yeah is what to do with that impulse and then also where it comes from. No, I, I hear you. I think we've even talked about like, you know, politics does often come up in our conversations, mm -hmm. I think in some kind of way, whether it's identity politics or actually like the political situations mm -hmm. that we have here, but um, in North Carolina, but I, the thing I often come back to is like, we're both kind of quote unquote, like the dichotomous political quote unquote sphere that we're in, right? A lot of air quotes going on here. Sorry, yeah. everybody. Yeah, I guess you like a button for that. <laughs> there we go. Um, is that, I know it's more than two sides, but you're right. We are kind of put in these boxes, but like both sides, in my opinion, are really trying to often go for the same things. We want to stay safe. Mm -hmm. um, people want access to things. And like, I think that movement that you had, like the idea of like action, it might when you were talking about it, I was like, oh, I totally get that. I actually totally believe you. And I was like, I wonder if it just feels that way, but it's not true. It's that we want to act. It's like the way we prioritize what we act on first, mm -hmm. where we send the money and time looks different. And I just, when you were talking, I was like, oh, I really feel this. I think I'm very similar, like in how mm -hmm. you're going, but I'm like, what gold standard do we use? then if it's not that narrative or like not our own experiences or what we see around us. And, you know, I think for some people that's religion because that can supersede. Yeah. Is that course. a word? Supersede? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded funny. Um, if not, no one's going to notice. Okay. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, I don't know. And is that where like stoicism comes in for you? Well, 
I'm assuming stoicism, I'm sorry, but like that kind of like, what did you call it? Like, um, moral, not moralistic ethics. What was it? Practical ethics. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I don't think any of us has any answers, but <laughs> I think the thing that I kind of want to throw back to you, maybe you can help yeah. me since the other listeners, I can't hear them. <laughs> um, I often find that it is when it is time for me to act like for others, I can make a decision a bit more quickly. Um, but when it comes to myself mm. and I need to make a decision for me, it's very, very difficult. Like yeah. I actually freeze fight. What is it? Fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. I freeze. Mm. And I think when you don't act, that is a choice. And so I know this is kind of like we were painting broad strokes in some ways and we yeah. kind of went global, but if I can bring it back to a macro level, yeah. micro level, um, for you, cause you and Miranda are also some of the most considerate kind humans I've ever met. And mm. I just feel like I've been better by being around y'all. <laughs> Thank you curious. so much. Of course. Um, thanks for sharing space with me. <laughs> when y'all are having to make decisions, or if you want to speak for yourself when you're sure. having to do that, how how do you go about that? And especially like I know that you're so loving and considerate of Miranda, but also like your family or your friends or things like mm -hmm. that. Like, is it okay to ask you that? And yeah. is that a okay enough clarity of a question to mm. I'd love to know how you do that, especially in like the idea of like, how do I eliminate suffering? Mm -hmm. You do love your life. So you've created that in some ways. Right. But then also thinking through like those layers of things. Cause I remember you saying the, like anybody coming to a certain point has kind of been like brought there by mm. like almost like pre-programmed. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Which, yeah. So I'm curious of you, like, how do you make decisions, especially because of your thoughts on free will, <laughs> et cetera. I'll stop right. talking. Yeah. I'd love to know. Cause I, I don't want to stay frozen and I'd mm. be curious to hear your thoughts of how, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you however just, you, you, you want to take that. Okay, good. Hour. Perfect. But <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah. The time constraints will allow what all I could really say Ooh, there, but Cliff that's Notes a, version. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's a great question, and and maybe the question, right, mm. <laughs> for me at least as of late, but probably forever. I mean, mm. it, it, when it comes down to it, we're always faced with decisions in life. Every every moment is a decision. You know, even mm. to stick around is a decision. That's a really good point. Not to be morbid, but it is. Um, and so for me, it is something that I, I very much do struggle with at times. And I'm, to be honest, not a decisive person, which really? is probably a surprise. I guess you, <laughs> I could have said Clearly. that before you responded that way, but that was just already in my brain. I, I think I have been, I have become, hmm. <laughs> Maybe I am a decisive person, but okay. not by nature is what I'm trying to say. Mm, like you've almost trained yourself or you've become this? Well... Or you have certain areas? Yeah. I mean, I think by nature I am, as anyone knows who's listening to this, I'm long-winded. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm a very analytical person. I, I'm certainly subject to overanalyzing for mm. certain. And I spend a lot of time just in, in my own head contemplating things as a kid I was always someone that was fine with being alone even though I didn't spend a lot of time alone and I, I enjoy going over things in my head and I never really saw it as a negative thing mm -hmm. as as it is for some um being lost in thought in, in that sense and as I've maybe matured I've I've started to to notice some of the the pitfalls there but I guess my point being is is that I'm really not someone who 
by default wants to make a decision quickly or, or mm. to be decisive in, in any way. Okay. But there are, uh, I think, circumstance has has brought me where I am. And sure, I'm, I'm always influencing that as well. There's a feedback loop there. But growing up, my, my mom is, yeah, I'm sure she's not listening, but maybe the least decisive person in the world. Okay. Um, and I, I'm obviously speaking hyperbolically, but only yeah. to some extent. Okay. And <laughs> I think that by itself put a lot of decisions in in my court growing up not major decisions but simple things right what, what do we what do we have for dinner or okay. what are we doing today where are we going there was a necessity for me to make a decision at a certain point if i did not want to spend an hour 30 yeah. minutes figuring out what was going to happen um and still feel that to this day. But over time, I just got more comfortable making decisions and owning that and, and realizing that often that was the best thing that I could do for her was, mm -hmm. was to take some of that, what seemed maybe for her to be a stress or anxiety about not wanting to, maybe to your point previously, that um, maybe women sometimes have this disposition to not want to displease anyone mm -hmm. or to put others first. And at base, making a decision opens you up to, to disappointing others, right? If you're the one who has to be on the hook for the decision, yeah. and if anyone is, you know, quietly dissenting, but just trying to be agreeable as many are, that is maybe the worst fear and something I've, I've talked to Miranda about a lot, because Miranda's Again, I'm sure she'll listen to this. She's not a decisive person and she never wants to do anything that would make someone else feel uncomfortable yeah. or she never wants anyone to be on the surface saying, oh, like I'm good with whatever, but inside being like, I have a really mm -hmm. strong opinion and then yeah. to to uh, displease them because she's just a very agreeable person and I love that about her. But at the same time, it obviously makes decisions quite hard. And so... For me, given my circumstance growing up and in my, my circumstance now, I feel like I'm often the person that is is the most ready to make decisions. Okay. And I, I've grown comfortable with it. So at this point, I, I read as a very decisive person because mm. it's, it's almost just a a muscle, if you will, that I've sure. trained over time yeah. where I acknowledge that often that is the best thing that I can do in that situation. And I'm not as concerned, which maybe gets to the heart of it. I'm not as worried about other people hmm. having any sort of negative feeling towards me because they did not express what they wanted in that situation because okay. that's on them and yeah. it's not on me. And, and that's, that's not to be crude about it, but I think that's something that I, have grown comfortable with that if, if people aren't going to be genuine or, or even able to express desires or differences in, in opinion that at the end of the day, sometimes things just have to happen and sure. uh, paralysis by analysis is, <laughs> is not a good thing. And as someone who is subject to it, yeah. I, I know that as well as anyone. So I, I do find that that is often 
why I am the way that I am now, but mm. maybe to answer your question even even more directly, I think some of it, as far as me making my own decisions, again, not that they can really be removed from anyone, but as far as me being decisive in, in my own convictions, I think, as you mentioned, some of what I some of how I think about free will and, and my own decision-making as an individual, in a way, it, not to say that it takes me off the hook because that's <laughs> not the point, but I, I am who I am right now. Mm. And that's all that I can be in this moment. Yeah. There's, there's no other person that I could even try to be. Mm. And the same is true for you. And I can hope to be different. Yeah. In the future, I can work on things. I I can be I can be affected by my environment. There are variables that obviously can change. I don't mean to suggest that because I don't believe in free will. I don't mm-hmm. believe in progress or or change or or responsibility or any of that. But at the same time, I I do feel like it's freed me up to feel less on the hook about hmm decisions and and to know that I'm I'm doing the best with what I can right now given what I have to bring to the table and if that wasn't ideal I can learn from that but mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend time feeling bad that about you didn't know better right yeah hmm. so hopefully that that answers at least part of your question I know it was maybe a multifaceted one yeah, I shouldn't care what people think. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, that was no, great. That you was should, great. but you shouldn't feel bad about your own decisions. Yeah. You know, and I think that's mm-hmm. maybe what I, where I was going with more than anything else is that I think guilt is is a is a useless mm-hmm. emotion, and not that we shouldn't. It's not even that. Um, again, we shouldn't take responsibility for the things that we do, or that there isn't going to be some sort of natural reaction when we disappoint others or when we do things that increase other people's suffering, right? It's not that we should all be psychopaths and just be like, none of it matters. I'm detached from it. But at the same time, it, it benefits no one for, for, for anyone to feel bad in, in any given moment, unless, I mean, I think it doesn't in the long term. I think maybe in the short term, people might feel as though like, yeah. I, I'd like for you to feel bad because you hurt me and you deserve that. But again, if, if you feel how I feel about free will, then I don't feel like anyone really deserves to, to feel bad mm. uh, under any circumstance. I, I can hope for better for them, but I don't know that when you see things the way that I do, that guilt is something that really comes up anymore. And again, it's, it's not to say that it's this bulletproof philosophy, but I think sometimes it is, it is one of the more difficult things to overcome in life is, is feeling, feeling guilty about where we are. And I guess that sort of reminds me, I'll just keep going here that one facet of this, that that I wanted to get to that, that hopefully will kind of bring it to its conclusion is that guilt still is something that I, I deal with a lot. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think it's something that occurs naturally and I have my own responses and I have my own coping mechanisms with it, which is more what I'm speaking to in Mm -hmm. philosophy, 
But as I've maybe spoken to you before about, it's it's one of the more pressing emotions that I struggle with because of the fact that essentially the person on this planet that is most similar to me on, on every level, uh, genetically speaking, and uh, essentially all other ways, had a, essentially received a hand that is so incredibly divergent from mine and suffers in ways that I, I cannot really imagine. And that is, is not, it's not easy to deal with on, on a day-to-day basis, especially considering the fact that I, I, I do love my life and I do enjoy it and I am incredibly grateful for it. And I, I don't spend a ton of time feeling differently than that, but at times, and especially ironically and maybe uh, morbidly so, I think in the, in the highest of highs, in the best moments, mm-hmm. I, it's something that comes up where I, there is that reaction to feel guilty and to say that, to feel bad that I get to experience these sorts of highs, these, these positive experiences that, that maybe others, whether someone that I love or anyone never will. And it's purely based in luck. And and that's something that is, is incredibly hard to, to cope with. But at the end of the day, what I was ultimately getting around to is that, and I guess maybe this isn't a story I've told anyone besides Miranda, but Mm -hmm. that I, it's something I've done a few times, but I was, I was in essentially a a sensory deprivation Mm -hmm. tank, like a float tank, if you will, um, about a year ago, um, on my birthday, actually, (laughs) because that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's this kind of deeply meditative experience. I'd Mm -hmm. done it before and as, as I guess probably most people know who listen to this, I, I've done my fair share of psychedelics and, and been in all kinds of altered states. Never something that really intimidated me very much, but in, in this particular circumstance and due to some things that have changed in my life since, okay, I, I found myself, you know, hanging out, relaxing in the situation, kind of breathing through it. And then these thoughts that I've just spoken to kind of became the the prevailing narrative of that experience, mm. which was quite unexpected and, and of course, quite uncomfortable. And uh, I guess the, the long and short of it is that ultimately in, in that hour that I spent in there, I, I had an inclination to, to just cut it short, to get out mm. and to call it a day. Um, but maybe that's just not who I am. And, and maybe I've, I've run into fires before in my life, but I, I stuck with it. And it was one of the more impactful experiences of my life mm. to, to kind of ride out that experience where there was nothing else for me to grab onto, to relate to. It was, I, I had to face these thoughts. And at the end of the day, I, I know that they're, essentially the best thing that I can do for anyone that I care about is, is to be the most present and compassionate and, and mindful and just best for lack of a better word version of myself mm-hmm. and bring that to the world and 
to live up to whatever potential is within me to be able to support those around me to the best of my ability. And it, it benefits no one for me to sit there and have a terrible time on my birthday in a float tank because life yeah. is suffering, right? It, it doesn't benefit anyone. And if I can do what I can to have better relationships with the people around me and, and to be a, a more evolved version of myself for them, that is ultimately the best thing that I can do for them because this particular situation, it, it does often seem quite helpless that there is nothing that I can do and even more resources or uh, better interventions wouldn't solve it. And, and so that's why it often can be, it can really compound the weight of it because if there was just something easy that I could do, that would make it a little bit simpler. Mm -hmm. But the fact that maybe just living my life to the fullest and, and, and being the, the utmost, uh, again, compassionate person that I can be in my life, regardless of what circumstance arises, I think that is what will allow me and, and whoever is around me and a part of my life to suffer the least throughout our lifetimes yeah. together, whatever that looks like. And ultimately it was, again, it, it was a wonderful experience and I was quite happy that it happened, yeah. but that is what I have relied on since then in those moments is that this is this is the best that I can do and that I'm I'm serving no one by mm. by allowing this to overrun my life. It's really powerful. I'm really glad you shared. I think that's that's a lot to unpack, especially on sure. your birthday <laughs> and also to carry. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah, I think sometimes like there's like a certain level of like lack of better terms, like pain or feelings of guilt or shame that can almost be like comfort blankets. It almost makes us mm. feel better to have them. Right. And even that in and of itself can be like an act, you know, of like, look, I am suffering. So this kind of sort of makes it better in some way. It kind mm. of equalizes, but I actually think like what you're doing takes, it's beautiful work. It's harder work. And I just, uh, I'm really proud of you for it. And <laughs> I know that like as a person in your life, you are very present. And I imagine, you know, being around your brother, that he gets to experience that as well mm. and the fullness of you and that that love. I also, as you were talking, it made me think of Viktor Frankl. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while, but like the psychologist that was unfortunately, you know, mm. in the Nazi camps. Right. Um, and I remember him having a passage in that book. There was a lot of different things, but two things stand out. You know, you can endure any what, as long as you know your why. Mm -hmm. I think that's really powerful. I don't know how that necessarily comes into play, but that popped up. But then also this idea that, you know, suffering or sorrow is a gas. And so no matter how big or little the container or how big or little the gas is, it's going to cover it completely. Mm -hmm. And he said the same thing with joy. Mm. And so I think the fact like you love your life and you're able to experience that, it just made me remember of like, I also wonder like what joys your brother has as well mm -hmm. that are very full, very complete. 
Right. You know, and like also thinking kind of maybe a little bit sad, but like as you were talking about some of the pain, like, oh, you know, I hate that you also have to bear that. That's that's a gas in and of itself that still spreads equally. Mm-hmm. And your brother has that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm really grateful that you shared. And I think it's just a really good reminder that we don't have to, feelings are not always facts. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that sometimes those feelings don't serve. Mm-hmm. And it's good to kind of flip the narrative. And I'm just really proud of you for doing that. And I know it's going to probably take work you know, in different sure. ways at different yeah. times, but yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I appreciate, appreciate that. that. And I'm, I'm a big fan of, of his work. So, okay. so I, I certainly, the, the reference resonates and, and okay. it was certainly one of the more influential reads during a, a darker time of mine years ago. So it's something I often turn back to and, and, and get a lot of at least just insight from. Yeah. Uh, so I certainly appreciate the reference. Um, and, and I appreciate you as well. I think, Thank you. I think this is maybe exactly the sort of conversation a, that I would like to have at, at, at the core of this project as a mm-hmm. whole. I know it's maybe a little bit, a little bit more fluid and, and a little bit more ambiguous than other conversations that I've had, but I, I very much have appreciated what, what you've shared and what you've asked of me and, and the essence of what we have been addressing, though, will be challenging for me in retrospect <laughs> yeah. to put a bubble around and <laughs> to, to title yeah. and to frame. I, I don't really care about those things very much. Mm. And that's not why I'm doing this at the end of the day is to give people uh, a category that they can put a conversation into. Mm. Right. You know, it's it's practical, but it's at the end of the day, I if I could get to the point that we've gotten in, into this conversation with, with everyone, I, I'd, I'd like to do that without mm-hmm. any, uh, without any priors. So that's, that's always kind of what I'm aiming for. So I, I hope that's understood as a long winded compliment <laughs> that, that I, I've really enjoyed this and mm-hmm. you've been a, a very seamless partner in conversation um, I feel like you've carried this, but thank you. I will take that. Yeah. No, no, I, I really haven't. Uh, I, I don't believe that I have. I maybe said more words, but that means little. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think this is maybe a, a good place to to say goodbye to to all great. those out there. But again, I, I really just do appreciate this. And like mm-hmm. I said beforehand, I think I think this was good for me. And okay. if it's not clear. I guess I kind of mentioned it at the beginning, but it's it's been a rough few days for me on on a personal level, and I at, at times have felt some not resistance but reluctance to to carry on and to do the things that I find joy in or that I derive value from, even in times of difficulty. And it sometimes confuses people when I when I. Uh, the way that I approach things, even when in uh, times of crisis, I guess you could say. Mm. But uh, ultimately, I, I just think that this was helpful for me. And I hope that you know that. Absolutely. I think it kind of comes back to where we all began with that like thought from Anna, like being able to ask yourself, what do you want and need right now? What would be helpful? And I'm glad that even if we didn't know it, that it could be that. And same, same for me. It's going to give me lots of good things to think about and feel through. Whatever feelings are, whether they're right or wrong, who knows? Stay tuned. He'll solve it next week. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, again, 
Thank you all for tuning in and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Bye. So if you've made it this far, hopefully it's because this project has resonated with you in some way and added value to your life. And if so, it would be great if you could take that next step to do any of the things that people are always asking you to do. Subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share with a friend, give us a follow on social. I know it can feel like a chore, I get it, but it is all rather simple and easy, a lot easier than listening to this whole episode. So any support really does mean a lot to me and goes a long way towards helping this show and its message grow. The simple fact that you're still listening at this point already makes this whole thing worth it for me. Anything else is just gravy. Remember, again, please do send your questions and topics to at ImpostorsAnon on Instagram and Twitter. I welcome them all and would love to hear from you. And oh, if you could be interested in coming on this very show, shoot us a message. Seriously, there are no requirements. I'm always looking for new guests with unique perspectives. I don't care about how many followers you have or where you went to school, and I certainly don't want to read your resume. I just like having interesting, candid conversations. So why not? You're all already a part of this project in my eyes, but I'll give it a rest for today. Thanks again. Your perspective is valuable, and I'll see you next time.